Hello and welcome to or welcome back to Coast to Coast College Hockey Podcast. My name is Jenna Van Sickle and I'm solo where my co-host Kara Mooney is studying abroad. Today I'm back with another episode after a little bit of a break for the start of the semester. I'm super excited this pod's episode is going to have our first ever guest So we're going to have Brady Gardner on the show. If you don't know Brady, he's a senior at BU as well, studying PR and journalism. He's a sports writer for BU Today, podcast manager and co-host at WTBU. He does the BU Hockey Show. The list goes on and on. Look this guy up. He's doing amazing things. Um, But I'm incredibly excited for him to be the show's first official guest. He's one of the people who got me involved in hockey at BU and is the perfect guest to help me make preseason predictions for all of college hockey this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Brady. Brady, please introduce yourself. Who are you? Why are you here? Wow. Well, hello. I'm Brady Gardner. I'm a a senior here at BU uh, with Jenna, and I do a lot around BU hockey. I'm a co-host of the BU Hockey Show. Find it on all your podcasting platforms. Here to talk some college hockey today. All right. All right. And how are you doing? Excited for Marmon, the long weekend? Yeah, well, it's a big long weekend, not just because the marathon on Monday, obviously, but the start of a lot of these conference seasons for our hockey teams. You look at even right now, as we record, the hockey East uh, men's season is kicking off. We know the women's season already started last week. So it feels like hockey season, even if it is 72 degrees outside. I thought you were going to mention the Red Sox, but you just like jumped right into it. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Yeah, and the Red Sox are still going. That's another reason it doesn't quite feel real that hockey is here because the Red Sox are still playing, but we'll enjoy that as long as we can get it. Right. Baseball. <laughs> baseball. Not a baseball show, though. No. Oh, my God. No, that would be the worst. Um. So the two of us are going to talk through every conference, women's and men's, give our predictions, what we're thinking, Um and just talk through it. Obviously, we're not going to hit every team because some of them just kind of looked mediocre. So (laughs) we'll give you the best, we'll give you the worst, and we'll get out of here maybe, I don't know. We'll see how long this takes. (laughs) Just look at the number at the end of the screen, folks. (laughs) Because I have no idea either. But it's going to be good. You know, it it forced me to go and look around because sometimes it's easy to get caught up in your hockey yeast bubble. And so I feel like now I know more about the teams and hopefully we can help the the folks at home learn more about the teams around the country as well. That's okay. That's exactly why I started the podcast because I feel like it's hard to follow college hockey as just a whole. It's so overwhelming. So this has really forced me to do some intensive research, which I would not have otherwise done. I just kind of been like, okay, Minnesota and BU and we're good. Yeah. Well, you're educating yourself and you're educating the masses. What could be better? <laughs> yes, all of our all of our listeners. Love them. All right. Okay, let's just jump in uh, <laughs> with women's hockey. So I just have like an alphabetical list of conference and then teams. So starting with College Hockey America, I really didn't know much about this conference. It's a small conference for the women, just five teams. Do you have any initial thoughts? Well, yeah, it's not quite the strongest conference, and it's the smallest, certainly, like you said, five teams. But there has been some talent to come out of there and some really exciting um, playoff runs, too. We just saw last year 
Uh, it was Syracuse who made that great push. And they've been one of my favorite teams, almost went to Syracuse. So there's kind of like a personal thing there. Uh, so it was cool to see them really um, emerge from being one of the kind of bottom feeders of the league and all of a sudden come within really within a goal, I think it was, of the NCAA tournament. So I'm looking for Syracuse to have another strong year. And they were able to bring a lot of those pieces back uh, from that playoff run um, a season ago. So you got to like Syracuse, um, but I think Penn State is still the class of the league. Uh, they ended up being the champions there, I believe. So uh, they did lose some players, but they're Penn State. They're the strongest program there, and I expect them to have another good year. Yeah, I pretty much looking at this conference, just all I could really find was on Penn State. They were the only team in the conference that had a preseason ranking. They were ranked ninth. Um, and in the most recent rankings, I think they were the only team in the conference to receive votes and they weren't in the top 10, but they had a vote. So yeah, it's definitely a conference that I don't think gets as much of the limelight, but definitely interesting. Some good points about Syracuse. I feel like at BU, all of the like journalism students are like, oh yeah, I almost went to Syracuse. And then all the film <laughs> students are like, I almost went to NYU. Yeah, well, you got me there. That was definitely the consideration of Syracuse, but I'm very glad I'm here. Although it would have been a lot of fun to cover that hockey run last year for the, the orange. The orange. nice jerseys there, too. Good-looking yeah. jerseys. I feel like college hockey runs pretty, like, standard with the colors and just the jerseys in general. Although I will say some of the women's teams do have more fun. I was looking at some of the names of the teams, and so, sometimes they're just, like, the lady and then whatever the mascot is which is just weird and i don't really like that at all but sometimes no. they have more fun names yeah uh, good to get creative with it yeah i think so the other teams in that conference lindenwood honestly had never heard of that program gotta be real yeah. and then mercyers and rit which any of those could surprise us i don't know too much about those programs but it seems like going into the season the two to look at are penn state and then maybe an underdog pick with Syracuse there. Yeah. I mean, Mercyhurst and Linwood were able to keep some fifth year players. Uh, and so maybe, you know, they're able to kind of emerge there, but like you said, it is kind of a, a one horse race with Penn state and then maybe Syracuse, if they can keep that magic going uh, in RIT uh, still a little bit in the basement, second year head coach there, uh, Celeste Brown still kind of working through a lot of, a lot of things to get her own program in place. So that's my yeah. expectation anyway. I definitely think Penn State has an advantage because, um, I mean, they are like a Big Ten school, right? There's no Big Ten women's conference, yeah. but they do have those resources that maybe those other schools in the conference don't have. Yeah, it is a weird group, like you said, because that that would be like if there was a women's Big Ten, it would be Penn State, but there's not. Uh, and yeah. same with like RIT, right? That's kind of a, another one that you would expect to maybe be in like an ECAC, and it's just not. Lindenwood, by the way, is in Missouri. Did you know that? No. <laughs> yeah so it really is they're all over the place um this conference you know where Syracuse is obviously they're all they're they're well-traveled teams there um yeah but. that oh, sounds like some some bad travel days a lot of time in the bus but yeah you mentioned the, last year. yeah you mentioned the ECAC and that's actually next on the list and unlike College Hockey America this is a giant conference um because it's kind of the Ivies and then whoever else wanted to join. Um, so this is, oh my goodness, I don't even know how many teams, it's eight, 12 teams it looks like. So they have several teams that were ranked going into the season, including the, the highest ranked in the conference is Colgate. So that's obviously kind of the 
the big pick. It was first in the ECAC poll. Um, and they have the conferences defending player of the year um, and then rookie of the year and Kale Osborne. So their goalie. So having both of those players back definitely means that they're the team to beat in the conference. Um, but when I was looking at it, I feel like some of the other teams that stood out, Clarkson for sure. They have some players that are, I feel like are on the brink of like a breakout season. We have Gosling and Chirkowski. Those are names that I saw coming up in conversations a lot. So despite not being ranked, I think they definitely have a chance there. Yeah, and if there's ever like a conference where the COVID year plays a role, it would be this one because they had only four teams play of their 12. Like you said, it's a massive conference, but last year it was the smallest just because all the Ivy League schools pulled out and so did a bunch of others. And so they were left with just St. Lawrence, Colgate, Clarkson, and Quinnipiac. And so those four programs almost have a leg up because they've actually been playing in the last year or so. So I do look like I do look at a Colgate there where they have, they've had the retention from the teams that they've had in the past and they were able to play and they had a good year last year. Um, you know, same thing, maybe like a St. Lawrence is a benefit, although they did lose some pretty significant players. Um, then I, I think probably the team, like I mentioned a minute ago, uh, who I would pick to win the league would be Quinnipiac. Um, you'll hear more from, uh, from me on them later. Another one of those kind of like personal favorites, I guess um, big Bobcat fan, but uh, another team that played last year looked good. Last year, um, very few losses from that roster. And then they're uh, especially deep in goal. If you remember, former Terrier Corinne Schroeder is now at Quinnipiac, and she's not even their best goaltender. So that's kind of wild, um, expecting a big year for the Bobcats. Yeah, and they did get a little bit of recognition preseason being ranked eighth, eighth overall in women's hockey. And because ECAC is so big, they had so many ranked teams. They had Cornell ranked ninth and Princeton ranked 10th, which is interesting because neither of those teams played. So I don't know exactly what that ranking is based off of. I mean, you can look at the players like Princeton, people are excited about incoming freshman Sarah Paul, but I mean, you haven't seen some of those players play at all, or, you know, some of them are transfers. So you've seen them play somewhere else. And I don't know, I think, ECAC is one where we can go into it saying Quinnipiac and Colgate are going to do well, but I think the Ivies are kind of a mystery and it'll take a couple games to really, really see what's going to happen there. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause you even look like a, a team like uh, Harvard who still returned a lot of players from in the past. And, and they, they're one of the best programs in terms of drawing recruits uh, in the ECAC, obviously. Uh, but what do they look like now, two years later? And we'll just have to wait and see. Kind of a, a same thing, actually, with Dartmouth, uh, where, again, former BU coach there, Liz Keedy Norton, taken over, and she has a strong upperclassman group to work with. So maybe Dartmouth is a team that surprises some people. Yeah, and I honestly think, especially with women's hockey going into this year, a lot of these women haven't had the opportunities to skate going into, you know, the schools didn't get to see them from a recruitment standpoint, and then they just... I feel like the men's def teams definitely had a bit more of an opportunity to get on the ice and have some, some progress with juniors still happening and things like that. So there was just a, a bit easier recruitment process. So honestly, probably some of these teams are figuring out who they have and, and if they're what they expected, I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, next we've got a podcast favorite, Hockey East. I'm sure we'll have lots of thoughts here. I'll turn over the floor to you. What do you think? 
Well, you want to say, oh, it's one of the best quality like conferences anywhere. So you expect that there's going to be that parity and that excitement. And there is, but in the middle of the league, like your BU, Providence, BC, of course, you know, they're all going to be battling for second and third, but really first place is Northeastern and everybody knows it. Uh, the amount of players that they were able to keep, those seniors, whether it was Aaron Frankel, Skylar Fontaine, uh, so many names that just come to mind, I guess, uh, or, or maybe don't in this case, kind of blanking on some of the others, but a massive fifth-year class for, uh, for the Huskies over there. So they're expected to win it. But then it's really anyone's game behind them, which is most interesting to me. You have that middle tier, those three teams that I mentioned, and then you kind of get into your UConn, UNH, um, you know, those, those teams in the middle, UVM, I expect to be good. They were, were kind of surprising last year. Didn't play that many games, but when they did play, they were good. Uh, so I, I think there are going to be like battles within the standings, but for first place, it should be Northeastern. And we can pretty much say that here on day one. Yeah. I think them keeping that core is super important. And then I've been seeing some buzz around the addition of Maddie Mills. Um, I think that'll just help them all the more. Obviously they were ranked second overall, going into the season. Um, and I think their ranking is going to stay high. And in hockey East first overall winning the regular season, I think is it's, it's their regular season to lose, I think. Oh yeah. Um, it's their, it's almost their hockey East title to lose. And it's almost even their national title. I mean, Wisconsin's still right there and that's who beat them in the national championship last year. But if you're Northeastern and you return all these players, it's kind of championship or bust. I feel like. Um, I got the list up now. Lauren McInnes, Andrea Renner, um, Brooke Hobson, Katie Sipra, Maddie Mills, Skylar Fontaine, Aaron Frankel, Tessa Ward. Those are all grad students, like all fifth years. They might as well start their own graduate school <laughs> with how many grad students they have. And it just shows the buy-in there and the expectation for Northeastern to once again just be a wagon. Yeah, that certainly shows that program and their power and that the players believe in it because there were several other schools where – players had a chance to come back for a fifth year and they didn't. So for Northeastern to have players come back and not just a few, but basically all of them really says something. I also think, I don't know if you mentioned BC, but they did have a national ranking with fifth overall. So as much as I don't like to talk about them or acknowledge that they might be good, I certainly think that if you're in the conversation, you know, if we've decided Northeastern's winning, okay, who's second? I wouldn't be surprised at all if BC put their put their name in that slot pretty quickly. Yeah, and all of a sudden, goalies the strength of that team. They had three solid goalies last year, and they're all back. You almost expected that one of them at least would go somewhere else, get more consistent opportunities, but that's not the case, and that was really something that drove them last year to getting over the hurdle and making a splash in the national tournament. So, yeah, I got to look out for BC as well. Yeah, goaltending in college hockey, it seems like if you have consistent goaltending – suddenly you're up in the rankings. And if you have a goalie leave, suddenly everything's in question for a team. 100%, yep. So, and then we have the conference, the Northeastern Women's Hockey, I believe it's Association. I just have the acronym here, which that's a mistake on my part, but the NEWHA with um, some more teams that are probably smaller programs, a bit lesser known. Um, but I was able to find some interesting stuff on them. The first one I have on the list here, kind of a middle tier team for them. Franklin Pierce had some good and some bad. Uh, they had 3.94 goals per game last season on average, which is 
pretty crazy for a team to maintain, but they did lose um, Bridget Prentice to the Riveters. She went pro, but they have Ostrander, I believe that's how you say it, coming back, which is arguably one of the best goalies in their conference. So they have some good, they've had some losses, had some people return. So I think they might be fighting for the title in that conference, but I also have to acknowledge Long Island is certainly a big player there. Um, they're one of the only teams in the conference to play last season, and they were the conference champs, which I don't know how much that means if you only have a couple teams, but certainly a strong program there. And then as far as the other teams, honestly, Post had not heard of. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I don't know all the teams because there's so many, but. Yeah. Um, well, it's a newer conference as well. They only became a division one conference two years ago. Yeah, exactly. So that's bringing in some teams that from some schools that might not have D1 sports otherwise. So it's some unfamiliar names. And I did see, I randomly found some criticism of St. Michael's. People were saying they just can't generate offense. So. <laughs> I guess I'll keep an eye on that, but I was yeah. a little surprised to see the controversy there. I mean, from what I was able to figure out um, from St. Michael's, it seems like defense is the strength of the team there. Uh, but also that was kind of the description for a lot of teams in that conference. So maybe offense is just hard to come by uh, here. But St. Anselm's kind of the same, and they did just pull off a pretty nice win over Maine, um, which was a bit of a surprise, even though it was the first weekend of the season. Um, and then you mentioned like an LIU, uh, they're – now three seasons in, like you said, they played last year. So their first like first year freshmen are now juniors. Um, so they have that added experience. You feel like they're going to keep their climb going. Um, even a, a program like Franklin Pierce, who was really good two seasons ago when they last played, you know, maybe they can put it together again. Um, but yeah, this is, it's not exactly teams that are going to end up in the national conversation anytime soon, but another league that'll be battling it out and uh, worth following along with. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. And maybe this conference does end up more in the national conversation in a couple of years, maybe with mm -hmm. the addition of some teams or if it gets changed around. But I think for now, it'll be interesting to watch to get to know these teams, but nothing that's going to end up in the Frozen Four, certainly. Mm -hmm. Also, while we're here, just a shout out to St. A's. Their club team beat my team 6-0. Oh. Wow. So, <laughs> Clearly that hockey program's doing something right. Sure. Uh, maybe their club team should get on ice with their D1 team, help them out with some, some offense there. <laughs> My team's, we're still waiting on scoring a goal. We're oh, okay. coming up on our home opener, third game. We haven't scored yet. <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're kind of similar. Defense is the strength and offense is a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. We're really, we're really heavily relying on our goaltending too. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle, but you do what you do in club hockey. And then, okay, getting back on topic. For women's hockey, we have one more conference, the Western Collegiate Hockey Association. I definitely had some more thoughts here because this is basically Big Ten, but not. Um, you see some of these big names that would be in a Big Ten conference if it did exist. So you have, obviously, Wisconsin, team to beat, um, ranked first overall with potential breakout player, the case, Casey O'Brien, that's a name I saw coming up. Um, then you have the third overall team in Ohio State, which is a team I haven't really seen much of, but I want to keep an eye on this season. 
then obviously a podcast favorite, Minnesota, ranked sixth overall. They've got incoming freshman Skylar Vetter to keep an eye on. But I feel like those are the three that really stick out with this conference. It's kind of obvious by the rankings. Um, but other than that, there's the two – well, okay, there's, <laughs> there's many Minnesota teams in here, but the ones with Minnesota in the name, Minnesota Duluth is ranked seventh overall. That program, you've always got to keep them in the back of your mind. Um, and then Minnesota State with some seniors returning in Britton Fleming and Jessica Conjus. Those players are really good under pressure. Uh, we saw that last year. And having a breakout season for the team seems very possible this year. Yeah, I agree. Minnesota Duluth is a team to look at, I think. Um, really dangerous forward group there. And they added on uh, with some transfers as well. Um, but you really have to look at Wisconsin as almost the Northeastern of this conference, where it's championship or bust, not just in the conference, but nationally. Uh, and they have had the success, so it's not like they're desperate for a title. But uh, I think, you know, with the players they were able to retain there, that's really the expectation for Wisconsin. Um, and it is kind of interesting, the, I guess, difference in this conference where you do have the established programs like the Badgers. Um, but then you also have like St. Thomas coming in for their very first season. Uh, you have to keep their expectations realistic, obviously, but, you know, it'll be cool to see them kind of get the program off the ground, um, maybe make some noise in their first year. Who knows? Um, other places that I was looking at, like you said, Ohio State, um, a team that just made the NCAA tournament didn't last very long, but, you know, worth pointing out that they were in it and uh, they may have lost some top talent, but a deep team in the past. So you, you figure maybe they have the pieces to replace it. Uh, and that's maybe my pick to kind of surprise some people this year, the Buckeyes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think keeping an eye on them would be good. I think if you lost sight of them, you might you might see them rise up the rankings and get a little surprised. It's also a little confusing that this is called the Western Collegiate Hockey Association. I really feel like they could have called it like Minnesota and Friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, there's these two teams that aren't in Minnesota? Um, I don't know. Maybe they should just make a Minnesotan conference. I think that'd be fun. Just take the other that'd be pretty out. cool. Because yeah. then you're kicking out, like, the, the biggest competition right there, Wisconsin and Ohio State. So Good point. maybe I should be commissioner. That's what I'm thinking. Mm. <laughs> All right. With that, we've wrapped up women's hockey. So no surprise, Northeastern and Wisconsin are the teams on top overall. And it really seems like there are some teams that could have breakout years. It'll be interesting to see the teams coming back that didn't play during COVID. But we have lots to talk about with men's, so many more teams. So let's get started with the Atlantic Hockey Is it Conference. Or it's just Atlantic Hockey. Um, just Atlantic are, Hockey. Yeah. What are your thoughts there? So this is another interesting one that, you know, not really gaining the national headlines all that much. It's kind of the equivalent of a college hockey America, a lot of similar teams as well. Um, and, and so I think you have to look at the class of the league being American International. Again, uh, they're consistently among the top, at least recently. And they did lose some pretty big players, but they do have plenty of talent because that is an established program. And with this level of conference, uh, you should expect them to once again be near the top. Um, but, you know, don't sleep on some of these other teams. I think Canisius kind of uh, made some waves last year and they got in a ton of transfers. So maybe they can kind of capitalize on that momentum that they built last season. 
And then, um, you know, maybe a, another team like Sacred Heart. Uh, we're going to see them twice here at BU, so we'll have a better sense of it then. They got a lot of new players as well, didn't really lose that many. So maybe they're able to kind of supplement what they have with some more additions outside and, and kind of go from there. I think the team that I'm looking at, back to the BU connection, I guess, but Holy Cross, uh, they may have lost 5-1 here at Walter Brown Arena over the weekend. But I think that, you know, they impressed me just with the way they stood up to BU um, and especially going aggressive right out, like, out of the gate. I think uh, their new coach, Bill Riga, I think that's how you pronounce it, Riga. Um, I think he has something good going there. And I expect Holy Cross to, to make a little bit of an advancement this year. But other than that, you know, maybe if I were to point out a team that I think will go the other direction and maybe take a step down, it's probably Army West Point. Uh, they were good last year, even good enough to be in the national conversation when people were talking about the bubble teams to get a national tournament opportunity. Uh, but they were also only playing against Atlantic hockey teams, and that ended up kind of being their downfall, just strength of competition. And uh, so they did lose some big names over the offseason. They're going to have to play against more real teams this year. I just don't think it's a good combination for Army, so I have them to kind of take a step back. Yeah, I think the important thing with Atlantic hockey is for these teams to get games out of the conference. My one memory of Sacred Heart is them like beating up on BU. Yep. So these teams certainly can do it, but if they kind of stay stay within, you know, they can look great compared to the other teams in their conference, but that doesn't really hold up at a national scale. Um, and these, a lot of these teams have been struggling in recent years. Um, Holy Cross was four and 12 last season. Air Force was three, 10 and one. So not some great records going into this season. Um, but as a BU fan, I'm definitely wary of Sacred Heart. I feel like they can hold their own against some of these bigger teams. Um, some of the notable things, AIC got lots of new transfers. Bentley got some decent transfers, even though they lost two of their leading goal scorers from last season. I think um, it's worthy to note there. Uh, is it Canassus? Is that... Canisius. Canisius. Okay. Well, Canisius. So they had the addition of Randy Hernandez, who tied the league um, lead in scoring last year as a freshman. So certainly a star player there. Whether or not the team's fun to watch, I'm sure he will be. Um, and then Niagara, I feel like we haven't mentioned yet. They lost three of their top five scorers yeah. in Sendland, Billings, and then Evingson. So they're going to have to figure out how to fill those roles if they want to have success this season. But I think the important thing overall with Atlantic hockey is not looking at how they do against each other, but how they do in those out of conference games, because I think that'll really be a telling sign of whether, whether they're ready for the national stage or if they need a bit more time to rebuild. Exactly. And I think especially for those top teams like American International, like they live for those games against other top teams because then they can see kind of where they really stack up. And maybe it's the same for Army West Point trying to, I guess, prove me wrong and show that they are legit after last season. And same with Sacred Heart, maybe if they want to keep building up to when they get that, uh, that new arena very soon and uh, make their audition to start in Hockey East, as some people are saying. Uh, people want them to be the 12th team. So make your case to us there, Pioneers. Um, but we'll, I, I mean, we'll see them twice. So I love how you think West Point's going to be proving a point to you specifically. Are yep. you imagining I having listening. like your face on a dartboard in the locker room? I, oh, yeah. Well, and I feel like I don't really want to be a guy that's an enemy of an army. 
like I think I picked oh. the wrong team. I picked the wrong team to go after. No, well, I'm nothing wrong with them. I'm just setting the bar at a reasonable level. I feel okay. Like. Okay. So don't come for him yet. <laughs> no, nope, I'm waiting for a tank to arrive outside my apartment at any moment. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Well, they're not, they're not in the army yet. Right. <laughs> That's how that works. Yeah, training. I, yeah. I'm sure they have the capabilities of acquiring a tank if they really had to. Oh no. All right. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you if we get any death threats. All right. Here at the podcast. This is the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> Wait, why am I going out? I said nothing bad. <laughs> yeah. For the Trust record. You, this was all Brady. I had nothing to do with it. I think you're great. Nice. All right. Moving on to some safer teams to talk about, I guess. Talking about the Big Ten, a conference I mentioned throughout the women's one, despite them not having it. Um, I feel like there's obviously some big names in here. Uh, lots of teams with rankings. We have Michigan at third, Minnesota at fourth, Michigan State at fifth, and then Wisconsin had the regular season title for the Big Ten last year. They've got 10 NHL picks on their roster, um, but they lost much of their kind of offense. Um, and their offense last year was ranked second in the nation, and they had just under four goals per game, but they lost a good chunk of that. So it'll be interesting to see if Wisconsin rebounds or if they need a bit more time. My thing with the Big Ten, I think Minnesota, they had a they had a really good regular season last year. I want to see that again from them and then see some postseason success. But I really think people, and this is crazy to say, but I think people are not scared enough of Michigan. I think it's crazy to people are like oh yeah like Michigan like they're ranked and they're like good but I think people don't realize how good they could be this season they could be absolutely dominant if you look at the NHL picks and the prospects and the other players they have on that team I think it would be it's I wouldn't be surprised if I saw them lifting a trophy at the end of the season Yeah, I think they're like uh, on the women's side, Northeastern Wisconsin, where it's national championship or disappointment. Like that's what Michigan is this year. And you kind of like to see it with like a historic program like that, that maybe hasn't been on that, you know, really big stage recently. Um, So it's nice to see Michigan really getting that national attention because when they're good, I think everybody else just enjoys it. Uh, And yeah, like you said, I mean, they have just a ridiculous amount of talent on that team. I read an article uh, article earlier that was the top 100 players and they had all three in uh, in Owen Power, Manny Beneers and Kent Johnson. It's like it's unbelievable the amount of skill that they have on that team. You just hope it all comes together Um, and and that the the lights aren't too bright, I guess. But they have to be your pick to to win the Big Ten or the Big Seven. I guess it's seven teams. It never makes sense to me, but whatever. I think if there were any teams to threaten, which probably won't, but at least to be up uh, towards the top of the conference, uh, I like Notre Dame, uh, kind of unlucky with the way that their season ended last year, but had a solid year and uh, didn't really lose that much, didn't really gain that much. So kind of running it back again uh, and a little bit stronger in net too. That is where they made a, a slight improvement. So I think Notre Dame could have a good year. And then Penn State as well, already mentioned them on the women's side, also a solid program on the men's side, but wouldn't really have seen it last year just because they had some of the biggest COVID struggles of anyone. So there's a massive unknown going into this year, uh, but a huge upside just knowing that program and, and what they're capable of uh, if they're at full strength. So we'll see what happens there. I like uh, Ohio State as kind of like my team, I guess. Um, we've seen a couple of BU transfers there. Mark Cherimetta, Jake Wise, 
uh, hoping to lead the offense or at least contribute to it. Um, kind of a goalie dependent team though. And uh, right now they have unproven goalies. So that could be a, a cause for concern going forward, but, but we'll see with the Buckeyes. And then if I had to name one who would take a step back, it would be Wisconsin. Uh, lost some huge producers, Cole Caulfield being the obvious one. And it's not really clear who's going to step up to fill those shoes, but I guess if any program could come up with players to all of a sudden be, you know, big goal scorers, maybe it's the Badgers, but that's my take on one of the most exciting conferences in college hockey. Yeah. And I think the big 10 this year kind of lends itself to a conversation I have with BU a lot is this balance of having these absolute star players who are going to be on your team for one, maybe two years, and then having some consistent players who are going to provide good leadership and just, uh, hard work for four years. So, I mean, maybe Wisconsin is cooling down with some of their stars and they're going to lean more into the players they have and developing them. But you can also go the other route with Michigan where they just said, let's have every star ever and <laughs> see what happens. So I think both of those are a recipe for disaster or a championship. I just don't know what yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. And then we have in its inaugural season, the CCHA. So this will be a very interesting, it's a very interesting mix of teams, I feel like, some of which are more recognized programs, some of which are not. Um, what are you, what are you I, thinking here? Well, first I was kind of confused because I was like CCHA, but it's just the renamed former WCHA, right? Yes. And uh it's not really, it's not the strongest or most well-known conference, but there is some quality to come out of there. Uh, and especially last year, I mentioned like a team like Army, who was really campaigning to get into the national tournament. Uh, and there were some, you know, big teams here as well, looking like a, like a Bemidji State, um, who really turned some heads last year. And they kind of keep that going this season with a lot of experience returning. Uh, maybe a Michigan Tech with, uh, we know them through BU transfer, Matt Corsia, um, but another team that, maybe moving up the ranks a little bit and kind of bringing everybody back. And I think that's going to be a really critical thing this year, but I think you have to pick the, the favorite to be Minnesota state uh, who return a lot of their big pieces, ton of talent with that team. So that's who I would guess would take the conference, but you know, it's, uh, it's one of those where maybe uh, another team comes out of the woodwork, maybe the likes of Northern Michigan who kind of overachieved towards the end of last season, but you know, who knows what they do this year. Um, just, I guess, another talking point is St. Thomas, who, like in the women's side, are starting their D1 program. Uh, there's going to be growing pains, of course, going from D3 to D1, but they have a really accomplished coach there, Rico Palassi, I believe it's pronounced. I should know that. He was just with Providence. Um, but now he's over there, their head coach, and uh, he brought in 13 transfers, I believe. I think that's the number. So he's certainly trying to, to build it on the fly there. Um and then I guess maybe the last one to mention is just Bowling Green. Uh, they're another one in the conversation of national tournament um, teams last year. Uh, I think they had a good season, but they also had a ton of roster turnover. So there are some major holes to fill, and, and maybe there's some some struggles that come along with that. That's my take on the CCHA. Yeah, I think, well, starting with Bowling Green, which you were just talking about, they had 11 players transfer away from their team. So that's, it's not just graduation. It's not just a couple transfers. That's a, I mean, that makes me wonder about their program if those players, if there's an issue there or not, but we'll have to see if they rise to the occasion with the new players, maybe a new system. 
or if that really is their downfall. Um, they're probably down there in my eyes with Ferris State. They won once last year, so maybe this year we'll go for two. <laughs> you never know. Um, one of the teams that consistently surprises me in this conference would be Lake Superior State. They made the tournament last year, and I don't think many people saw that coming. So we'll see if that success continues. Um, an important note, you were talking about St. Thomas. So yeah, growing pains there. So they have all these transfers coming in, but they also have 12 returners from their D3 team. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how those guys, if they rise to the occasion of getting to play some D1 hockey, um, the start of that program, I think it could be really interesting. Um, yeah. There's certainly D3 players that some, some of them play D3 and could have gone D1. Um, some of them are just, just making it in D3. So those 12 players are definitely ones to watch. Um, with yeah, and, and you for, I was going to say, sorry, just on that topic, but you forget about like D3 is not that far off from D1, especially some of the lower level D1 programs. Like there's not that many D2 teams. So the gap between D1 and D3 is a lot smaller, I think, than, than people originally think. Yeah, and especially I think in hockey, because um, like with women's, they don't have D2 hockey. Like it's just D1, D3. So and then men's, obviously, like you said, there's there's very few D2 teams. So yeah, the gap there isn't really as clear cut. So it's as initially shocking as it sounds for them to have 12 D3 players. I think that honestly, we might get some stars on that on that team out of their D3 players who have been there um, and are familiar with that program. Uh, I was gonna talk about Vigi State. So they made it to the tournament last year and They've got a nice experienced roster, but like many college teams, their one question is goaltending. Uh, their goalie from last year transferred. So we'll have to see what they do in net this year. Um, but I think that's all I really had to say on this conference. Anything else from you? No, I guess just as I think about like St. Thomas, like you said, bringing in like the, the 13 or 11, I forget what it was, um, D3 players. Uh, it, it almost reminds you a little bit of what Long Island did last year, where they kind of just put players together in that program, handed them jerseys and, and just went out and played games. And like, no, they weren't incredible. They didn't win very many games, but you got to start somewhere and you got to put the building blocks together, figure out the way you want to assemble that program. And I think that's kind of what they're doing at St. Thomas. So even if they're not going to be incredible and they're, and they're probably not going to compete for the conference, uh, it'll still be worth watching because that's the newest program in uh, Division One men's hockey and uh, worthy of attention, certainly. Yeah, and I mean, even from a logistics standpoint, like, sure, they could have ripped up the whole team and said, all right, we're starting new with, you know, 20-some transfers, but having some guys in the locker room that, you know, know where the classes are and which dining hall is the best and what to do on campus, I think it, it creates a better team dynamic than just transplanting a bunch of people, throwing them in there and saying, I don't know if you can hear that, but that's a cop car. Yeah. <laughs> City living. Oh boy. All right. Okay. So I think that's pretty much all with that conference. Then we're going on to ECAC, which again, ton of teams and lots to talk about. Um, let's see. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this There's one always overwhelms on. me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can jump in if you want. Sure. Go for um, it. So like I mentioned on the women's side, like this is the conference that dealt with 
COVID cancellations, I guess, as much as anyone, just because all the Ivy League schools backed out, and then so did a bunch of other people. So again, it was Quinnipiac, Clarkson, Colgate, and St. Lawrence, and it actually was kind of exciting at the end. Everybody thought Quinnipiac was just going to run away with it, and for the majority of the season, they did, and then at the very end, St. Lawrence made a little bit of a playoff push and actually beat Quinnipiac. Uh, and got the automatic bid into the national tournament, which was a cause of controversy. And then they got a COVID issue. And so then they couldn't go. And that's how like Notre Dame got in. It was a whole mess. So it's almost like you just forget about that year if you're the ECAC, but you can't totally because there are teams that now have 20 or whatever games more experienced than the other teams. So that's where you look at, you know, maybe like a Harvard who would be a, a really good top uh, top of the conference team in the other years maybe they're a little slow especially with some of their newer draft picks that haven't been able to play college hockey yet you know maybe it takes them some time to develop and get into it uh, i do think quinnipiac is going to be the class of the conference they did lose some pretty big uh, big players but they almost got even better players in the transfer portal uh, and just always a solid team out there in connecticut uh, i also like the look of st lawrence like I said, they kind of surprised people towards the end of last season, and they really didn't lose much from that squad. So uh, I'm excited to see what they're able to do now. Um, Dartmouth is another team worth paying some attention to. Uh, they lost longtime head coach uh, Bob Gaudet, and so it's going to be uh, interesting to see what they can put together with Reed Cashman now taking over. What's well, his second year, but first season? Uh, kind of interesting. So he'll be finally getting on the ice with like a billion BCHL recruits. So he clearly, I guess he knows what he, he wants in his team. So let's see what they look like on the ice. Um, and maybe one last one to mention, Cornell, always a, a solid team and very good the last time they played in the 2019-2020 season. But that was a really quite a veteran team. And so now they don't have a lot of those players. So it's kind of an unusually like inexperienced team for Cornell. And I, I'm not sure really how they'll adjust to that. So that's kind of my take around the conference. If I were to pick like a favorite team, it's Brown. I kind of grew up going to Brown hockey games. So I'm a, a Brown Bears fan, kind of closeted, I guess. Um, but they're not very good. They have your, a lot of return your players. Your secret's out. <laughs> yes, yeah, being a Brown Bears fan. So I'm very excited to see BU go to me and Auditorium this year in Providence, take on the Bears. Uh, but not a very good team, kind of the UVM of ECAC. Uh, you know, a lot of returning players, a lot of veterans, a lot of guys with experience, but it's like, what's the still like? And at Brown, it hasn't been very good lately. But who knows? I would love to see them go on a surprise run this year. I love how you compare them to UVM. Those happen to be the two other East Coast schools I applied to. So I guess I was looking for something similar. Um, I bad think hockey. <laughs> maybe that's the view's been so bad. I don't know. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> they've been all right. Um. Let's see. Okay. You talked a bit about the Ivies and I think it's important to note that the Ivies are not allowing grad student players. So that's why Cornell, as good as they were two yeah. years ago, they've, they've lost like half their team. So they're certainly in a rebuilding phase. They're going to have a lot of new players. Um, same thing was kind of being said about Colgate lost a lot of their returners. It looks like they're going to kind of struggle in the offense, struggle getting pucks in the net. So we'll see if they can generate something there. Um, two other teams that I'm kind of worried about, don't know if they'll do that well this year. Uh, is it Ren? Why can't I? Rensselaer. That was not how I was going to say it. So, yeah, Rensselaer. They're definitely rebuilding. Um, Yale lost three of their stars to transferring of the pros with Hall, Kemp, and St. 
Ivany, and they're just been kind of a recently for some poor recruiting. So it seems like in the ECAC, I, I saw teams, it was either that teams had poor recruiting or really good recruiting, like nothing in between, which was interesting. I think some middle tier teams, um, St. Lawrence is kind of a, a sleeper pick. I think, you, like you said, they picked it up at the end of last year. They're not ranked super high, but they had good returners and recruitment. Um, Harvard, you mentioned, so they have 10, I don't know why it says 10 or 11 NHL draft picks. I don't know who the or 11 is, but <laughs> maybe should have clarified that in my notes. But either way, that's the most NHL draft picks that team has ever had. So again, is it a recipe for success or a disaster with too many personalities clashing? We'll, we'll see this season. Um, and then other teams, I think the two that I had down as some standouts for the ECAC Clarkson, they have a return of most of their, their scorers. And then they brought in some good transfers. They did some good recruiting, just all the basic stuff that you need to make up a good team. So certainly in, in talks for the conference title, at least this season, and then Quinnipiac, the ranked ninth overall recently, They're the conference favorite, and they added Dylan St. Cyr from, uh, I believe it was Notre Dame. He played four seasons, well, three seasons. Um, he didn't play 2019, uh, 2020, but he played for them for quite a bit. So having him in net, having that experienced goalie is certainly going to help them out and give them an advantage over these teams that haven't seen, seen the ice in over a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that experience is huge. Um, and especially like you mentioned with the recruiting, like there are teams that have kept the same team for a long time, you know, kept their returners and do have good teams like Clarkson, Colgate, Rensselaer, right? Like solid programs, but do they have the firepower to keep up with a Quinnipiac, a Harvard? Uh, I guess that's what we will see. But this does have a potential to be a really close conference uh, if it all goes well. And, and also 12 teams, you feel like there's going to be uh, some competition for spots there somewhere. Yeah, and I definitely think that these teams have the advantage of having a wide variety of programs in their conference. Because we've looked at some others like Atlantic Hockey, where it just seemed like those teams really need to go out of the conference to get some of that um, faster play, some of the better competition. But I think within this league, you know, a team can find teams that are at the same level, higher and lower. And really figure out how to get better by playing there. Um, we've got two more conferences, and then of course the pesky independent teams. Um, but next up, our favorite again, Hockey East. Um, I have lots of thoughts here on just a couple of teams. So they had three ranked teams: um, BC at six, uh, UMass at seven, and then BU at tenth, which was the talk of the town. If you were looking at people's Instagram stories, I kept seeing that. So my problem here lies with BC. Why are they ranked six? I feel like every, okay, this is totally not a BU fan going in on BC, except for it is, but that's not why. I just think that it, that ranking doesn't acknowledge the fact that they lost those key players in Spencer Knight and Matt Boldy. You can't ignore that. And I think that BC is going to not necessarily struggle this season, but I don't think they're going to hold that ranking um, and be in, in talks like they were last year. I think their stars really held that team 
um, having Spencer Knight in net is, you, you can't replace that. That's, I mean, for him to go from BC to then playing in the NHL playoffs, I think that speaks to his skill and his talent. And I, I don't know. I think that people are overvaluing that team and that roster really needs to prove themselves. I don't think they've earned a sixth overall ranking yet. But that's my soapbox. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. Like, I, I think there's a lot of, like, previous year respect going on with some of those rankings for these Hockey East teams because you mentioned in BC, like, Spencer Knight, um, Matt Boldy, Alex Newhook, Mike Hardman, like, they're all gone early. Logan Hutsko graduated. Like, a ton of their talent is gone. And they did do their best to replace it with, like, three different Bowling Green transfers because Jerry York used to work at Bowling Green and apparently still some connections. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think BC, they're not going to fall quickly, but I just don't think they have that same uh, kind of upper echelon ability like they have had in previous years when they were ranked number one last season. And kind of the same is true, I guess, for UMass, where they just won the national tournament. Everybody's all excited. Their first ever national championship. This is awesome. And they did bring back a lot of those key players, but they lost a ton, too. And so I think, yes, they're going to be good teams, BC and UMass. Yes, they're going to be vying for that top spot in Hockey East, which I think will be the most competitive conference in college hockey this year. But, and maybe it's the BU bias, I am picking BU to win this conference because I think everything's coming together for the Terriers. They've had a couple down years here, but it's given them the chance to really establish a core group of now juniors and, well, not so much seniors, but they have grad students, juniors, strong sophomore class, and so it's no longer relying on freshmen. Like when they had a dozen two years ago, and that was the strength of the team, you're very, you know, first time playing college hockey and you're relied on so heavily. Like now it's the freshmen supporting that kind of sophomore junior class with those senior grad student leadership. And I think it's a really well-balanced team. I think BU is going to go far, um, but I'm also excited to see some of the, the middle teams as well. We're going to see UConn against the Terriers just tomorrow night. So that's very exciting. Um, you know, UConn, Providence, um, not so much UNH. I think they'll be a little bit lower with Maine, Merrimack, the likes of those teams. Um, UVM, unfortunately, probably at the bottom. Um, UMass Lowell, hard to know what they're going to be. They lost some major uh, pieces as well. So maybe they'll be kind of between the Providence, UConn, and the UNH, Maine. Um, but I do think it's going to be close all around. I, I think, you know, maybe you're not going to see UVM competing with UMass necessarily, but I do think there are going to be mini battles all across the, the standings and I'm very excited to see it all play out. Yeah. I certainly think it's kind of surprising for a conference where they have a couple teams like Maine and Vermont who are kind of in rebuilding stages that it still seems so competitive. I think that nothing is giving to you in hockey East, especially on the men's side. Um, so BU is certainly going to have to step up to the occasion as excited as I am about them. They kind of suck when it comes to important games. So <laughs> if they could prove themselves, that would be nice. All right. Well, I want to get you to the, uh, the Red Sox here soon enough, but we've got one more conference uh -huh. to talk through um, and that's NCHC. So for this conference, we have notably St. Cloud State ranked second overall um, they have a return from nearly everyone on the team from last year. Last year's second place finish, of course. And then we have North Dakota, who is always a team to watch. They seem to always have draft picks just bursting at the seams with that program. I'm not sure why anyone's like, yeah, I want to go to North Dakota, but that's your own business. 
They're ranked eighth overall. They lose five of their top point producers, which is notable. So that there, there could be some some problems there. Um, and they also lost the conference's best goalie. But I just don't think you can count them out with that program. They seem to have a lot of success. The other teams, Western Michigan, Omaha, Minnesota, Duluth. Duluth is obviously, that's, that's a big name. Um, but I think there's kind of, after after some of those big names, I think kind of a battle at the bottom. Um, Colorado College, I'm really rooting for you. I haven't finished over uh, 0.5, and they, they need to get in the wins column because the the past decade's been been hard. <laughs> so that's my that's my underdog who I don't think's gonna do well, but I hope they do. So it's interesting. I actually had them highlighted as well as a, a team with a new coach, Chris Mayout, who was coming over from uh, being an assistant at Michigan. Like maybe Colorado College kind of turns it around here. That'd be nice. Uh, and I had Denver on that list too, another kind of bubble team from the NCAA conversation last year. Uh, strong list of returners, but they've been a little bit unpredictable year by year. So, you know, whatever you're going to get from them, I think it'll be entertaining. Um, but then you, you do, like you mentioned, you get to the top of this conference where you have Minnesota Duluth and St. Cloud State, North Dakota. And I think it's going to be those three really just running away at the top. Uh, but it's so hard to predict exactly what's going to happen there because, like you said, there are some some significant losses, especially with Duluth, uh, North Dakota, but there are also programs that just produce important players out of nowhere and seem like they're always right there on the doorstep of a national championship. So you can never sleep on those teams. I do like St. Cloud State. I think they will end up being the team to come out of all that. Um, they are also my personal kind of NCHC team. enjoyed watching them last year in Albany for the NCAA regionals. Uh, and they had very few departures. They really only lost uh, one player whose name was Will Hammer, which is a legendary name. Um, <laughs> when in doubt, Will Hammer. <laughs> and uh, like, you know, he could be a carpenter in another life, but he's a good hockey player right now. Unfortunately, he's not on the team anymore, but he's really the only guy they lost. So I think they're running it back after making a national championship game. And I like the chances of St. Cloud State this year. Yes, for sure. So we have the two independent teams left. I am always three. Three. Sorry. Put what? some respect on it. Wait a minute. Is Alabama Huntsville dead or are they back? I I don't know. You were gonna mention there's the there's like the because aren't the Alaskan teams? They're like coming back, but they're not for this season. Like next season, and they're right. independent. So the independents are always having drama. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe check in on Alabama. Let me know. Yeah, I'm looking at all Alabama, and there's no record of uh, of this season happening. I feel like, um, oh yes, no. Here's some news about it. So they actually attempted to be in the CCHA, uh, and they were rejected membership this spring. So I think they're trying to find a home. Um, yeah. While they, because they have, they've been a team that just kind of traveled around and played people, not particularly well, but they did. And I think they're looking for kind of a, a more permanent conference. Yeah. And until then, it looks like they're not playing. So yeah. that's too bad for Alabama Huntsville. Running operations for the season, hoping to yeah. find a conference. And you can run independently. It's just a bit, bit wild, yeah. wild west out there. Yeah. Um, well, you got to have the budget, like in Arizona State, where it is that kind of big budget athletics program. And so they can travel around and play whoever they want. Uh, and it's always exciting because the only way they're going to make a national tournament is by just being a top 20 team. And so maybe they do it, but the deck is stacked against them certainly with that setup. 
Um, but still, it's fun to see hockey in a place of the country where you're just not used to seeing college hockey. Same with Alabama, I guess. Um, but Arizona actually is a team that seems like they're headed the right direction. They have a new um, arena going up. So uh, it feels like a program on the rise out there. Yeah. I feel like Arizona State having hockey really speaks to that state's progression with youth hockey, with uh, the Coyotes, obviously Austin Matthews coming out of there. Um, I think that that just shows that, you know, you can have hockey in the desert. I always love them. Their jerseys are sick. Their promos are sick. They get some great transfers. Um, and I'm super biased because I, my parents bought me a shirt. They were like on the campus and it was an ASU hockey shirt. And it was like a joke before they had a team. And I still still own the shirt, still wear it. And now they actually have a team. So I feel like I got in at the ground floor there. Wow. Um, That's pretty cool. It's not a bandwagon fan. You have literally been there since the beginning. No, since before I knew the them beginning. before they were cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice to see teams like Arizona State, like some of those startup teams uh, starting to get into it. And hopefully LIU can do the same, um, getting more established as a D1 team. Uh, we miss you, Alaska. Robert Morris, uh, those, it's, you know, pour one out for those guys. I mean, it seems like they might come back. That's the funny thing. As soon as schools try to ax their hockey programs, the alumni or the teams or Twitter go after the, the school and say, hey, we want our hockey, and then yeah. they bring it back. I mean, but Robert not Morris, that whole situation, we don't have time to get into it, but it's just been crazy to watch and just unbelievable the programs that get cut when they're doing so well. But I think especially on the women's side, good point. Yeah, the women they had all and then all those women going to the now PHF, the NWHL. Yeah. Interesting to see. Interesting to see. We somehow took an hour, talked through every single team basically on the women's and men's side. So I'd call that a I'd call that a success. Hopefully I retain some of this knowledge so I can use it throughout the season, but we'll see about that. Um, thank you, Brady, for being on the podcast, being our first official guest. So I guess I should print out like a certificate or something for you after this. Um, and it's truly an honor. It yeah. was an honor, a thrill, a privilege, <laughs> a dream. It was everything. It was great. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, in the interim, well, you're, you're co-hostless. I'm happy to jump in anytime necessary. Hopefully the folks at home enjoyed the collab and listen yes. to the BU Hockey Show. But if you want to hear more about the Terriers, come on down. <laughs> exactly. So BU Hockey Show, you can find him there. Brady D. Gardner on Twitter if you hated all his takes and want to yell at him. Um, if you want to see if the Army tank arrives momentarily. Follow along for updates about Army West Point and their <laughs> vendetta against me. Yeah. Oh, boy. And, of course, That's Coast all. to Coast College Hockey Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much all of your favorite podcast streaming services. It's C2CCH Podcast on Twitter. That's the letter C, the number two, CCH Podcast. And this is Jenna and Brady signing off.